0: With COVID-19 cases on the rise, what are the challenges older New Yorkers are facing as the pandemic rages on? I'm George Borarki, and this is Cityscape. According to a new AARP Foundation and United Health Foundation report, the pandemic has resulted in an epidemic of loneliness among older adults. Joining me to talk about this and other issues related to the impact of the pandemic on older New Yorkers is AARP New York Director Beth Finkel. Beth, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me. Oh, it's my pleasure. So first things first, how are older New Yorkers faring right now in the midst of the pandemic?
1: Well, you know, we're very concerned about the health and welfare of older New Yorkers. AARP members are 50 plus. And so it's about older, more fragile, but it's also about, you know, people that are, you know, your you know, friends, neighbors, and, you know, everyday people everyday people who are experiencing this in so many different ways. And so uh, there are a lot of issues around isolation, um, particularly for uh, older New Yorkers. Um, We know that isolation is extremely dangerous for people. You know, we think about it, oh, you're lonely. You think about the mental health pieces. But um, actually, what's really surprising is that being isolated is equal to smoking fifteen cigarettes a day, hmm. and people don 't realize that and there are the health implications if you were a fifteen cigarette a day smoker, it would impact all sorts of parts of your your health and uh, so it 's not something that we as a society can allow that happen.
0: And I would imagine that older people who had access to senior centers to socialize have lost that connection because those senior centers are closed due to COVID-19, right?
1: That's exactly right, because obviously congregate settings right now are particularly dangerous for people. And, you know, the, the mayor recognizes that. The Department for the Aging certainly recognizes that. Um and, you know, they're doing what they can to try to supplement what's going on that people can't get out. But in reality, it's it's not the same thing. Now You go into a senior center and you're Mrs. S. And all of a sudden they notice, oh, it's raining out today. And Mrs. S didn't put a raincoat on. Are there other things happening to Mrs. S that we need to be aware of? And, you know, the senior centers have great uh, information and referral services. And for the most part, they know their clientele. Uh, And then people in there have their social circles. So they have other people who are looking out for them. When you don't have that, when you're in your home, you don't have a next door neighbor who's knocking at your door every day, you know, or the mailman, who actually sees your face when you pick up the mail or notices that you're not picking up the mail out of your mailbox, you know, these are all indicators. And unfortunately, in COVID times, it's just, it's a whole other ballgame for people.
0: I would imagine that Wi-Fi could also be an issue. Many seniors are on fixed incomes and Wi-Fi costs money. I would think that there are many seniors in the state that do not have access to Wi-Fi.
1: Boy, you hit that right on the head. And we actually have a report coming out tomorrow, particularly about African-Americans and Hispanics about the high cost of the internet and how that is making them less likely to participate because it is so costly. And then there's issues just around coverage. There's a lot of assumptions made about coverage, but in fact, um, the way that the coverage is mapped is by census block. And it doesn't go deep enough sometimes to really tell within those census blocks if there is the coverage that the companies are telling us that they have or not. And then we also have to talk about the digital divide, which I know you are well aware of. Uh, So for the most part, um, older adults are actually the quickest adopting a generation to all sorts of things, technological, which is great, but there's still a lag behind them. And, you know, if they're not getting out to the library or the senior center or other places or their grandkids aren't coming over to visit uh, to give them some a little bit of tech assistance, they're falling even more behind.
0: I would think that seniors, just like all of us, are just as susceptible to fatigue, too. We're just sort of tired of being on these Zoom meetings
1: I think that you're right, they are tired. But you know, there's great innovative programming coming out. And I'm glad you mentioned that because the senior centers actually have some great virtual programming that they're providing right now. And if people aren't getting it or want to know more information, you can go online <laughs> to the Department for the Aging, but you can also call 311. That's a great service in New York City. You call three one one, and they can connect you with anything, including getting uh, some some tech assistance. There's also an organization called the um, Older Adults Technology Centers or Senior Planet which actually will give you tutorials and they'll do them online for you. Uh, and then AARP actually has launched a whole bunch of programming online that you can access either through our web webpage at aarp.org or through our Facebook page.
0: That's fantastic. What kind of programming are you affording to folks?
1: Uh, well, let's see. We've got a lot of educational programming, uh, some legal advice. Uh, actually, this week, we have a great elder bar attorney who's going to be speaking about the five legal documents that everybody should have. And particularly in these times, you really want to have your legal documents all lined up and where they need to be. Uh, we're also just doing fun couch concerts. We've got Neil Sedaka. Doing a couch concert this week. Uh, Judy Collins is coming up. She's going to be doing one for us in December, uh, and a whole bunch of others. Um, And then we have other educational programming around fraud and guarding against fraud because in these times, fraudsters really come out of the woodwork. You know, people are at home. They're bored. They have nothing to do. And I don't know if you've noticed, but the robocalling has really been picking up lately.
0: I answered two, actually, today during my work day. So I thought they were work calls, but no, they were telemarketers. What are some of the scams that people need to be wary of at this moment related to the pandemic?
1: Well, again, you know, it's a lot of the typical ones that people are saying, oh, your grandson is... uh, He's 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 in jail and he needs money right away to to get him out. Uh, so those are still coming across. There's a lot around credit card fraud. Uh, there's a lot around social security numbers. You know, there's a lot around. Uh, the IRS keeps popping up all the time. We, you you're behind an IRS payment. You haven't paid your taxes. Oh no no I paid my taxes. You know <laughs> says Mrs S. And then they go well if you just give me your social security number I'll go in and double check it for you. Well. The IRS will never call you. They will always send you a formal letter. So never respond to any of those. Uh, there's also a lot of, that are going on around medical billing right now. A lot of people have bills that are coming in, and there's these fraudsters trying to get your credit card numbers to say, I'll take care of paying your, med, your, your uh, credit card, use your credit card to pay for your medical costs. And um, of course, today, everybody's so confused with all the costs that are coming in. Uh, for medical costs. So that's something else that we have to be thinking about. You know, when you think about the isolation, I just want to go back to that for a minute because this is a chance to reach out to your friends and neighbors. I said this to you before about knocking on somebody's door. You know, if you have an older person in your building, you know, this is a great time. Wear your mask, stand six feet back from the door, but knock on the door and just, how are you doing today? What's going on? I'm running down to get a quart of milk. Do you need a quart of milk? um, you know, just past the time of day years ago, or not even years ago, until the pandemic, you could stand outside your building, you could sit on your stoop. <laughs> in Brooklyn, I know they still used to bring out the lawn chairs and sit out in front of the building, right? Um, and, and you could pass the time of day with people walking by and people don't have that right now. And that means so much in someone's life. But it also could just be when was the last time you talked to your best friend in high school? Don't be shy. Pick up the phone, call them now. They'd probably love to hear from you.
0: I mentioned fixed incomes earlier, but can you talk to me a little bit more, Beth, about how this pandemic is impacting older New Yorkers economically from your viewpoint?
1: Uh, you know, ARP represents people 50 plus. And uh, the first people usually to get laid off are older workers. Um, as a matter of fact, we've run a lot of surveys on this and it's surprising, but people as young as 35 and 40 say that they have observed ageism in the workplace and so what does that mean you get laid off first you're out first you have no income and then it's harder for an older person to get another job so then chances are you're going to be out longer than somebody else and so it's a double whammy and then you're in the later years of your work life Every year counts towards your social security benefits that you're going to get later. If you're fortunate enough to work for a company that has a 401k or, oh, my God, a pension, uh, then you're screwed on that. Um, And, 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 you know, companies are aware of that. You know, older workers cost more. (laughs) They cost more to HR departments. They cost more medical costs and everything else. Uh, On the other hand, they're not looking at the wisdom and the talent and the devotion to the work because there are no more loyal workers. And it's been proven again and again than older workers. And if you lose your older workers, you lose the institutional knowledge and you're really behind the eight ball then. So companies really have to think about that. And then as, you were saying personally, if I, I'm somebody who's over 50, who God forbid has lost their job, you know, then then what do I do? Do I consider taking social security early? What are the ramifications? You could take it at 62. You take it early, you're going to get less throughout your whole retirement. So you're making decisions right now that just don't impact you this year, but for forever to come. So it's really important to stop and, find out. You can call the Social Security office, call um, Medicare, and find out if you might be eligible or how you might be eligible. Because again, you lose your job, you lose your insurance. What are you going to do? Did your company give you a COBRA? And in these times, pandemic times, to not be able to have health insurance, but we are lucky to live in New York State, uh, which has great, you know, state health benefits that people should be looking into immediately. Don't wait a day. And again, you can get that from 3112. You can find out about health insurance.
0: Obviously, so important for us to maintain our health even during a pandemic. What is your advice to someone who's an older New Yorker who doesn't want to go to the doctor because they don't want to expose themselves to the pandemic, but yet they should go in for their annual checkup or that colonoscopy?
1: I would say call your doctor. Your doctor will be the best one to give you advice about when you need to go to the doctor. But I'm glad you raised that because we've got telehealth today that we didn't have previously. And so if you are technologically even a little savvy, you don't have to be very savvy. Um, I don't know if you've done a telehealth uh, appointment yet. I know I have. I was amazed at how efficient it is. Um, And I really felt like I got good service from it. I obviously couldn't get a blood test, but uh, other than that, you know, it was pretty good service. So I I would do that first call you, doctor, see if you can do a telehealth visit. That would be what I'd recommend.
0: You mentioned ageism and older New Yorkers or older people typically being the first to be let go in a company. You also referenced that you have legal advice there. Is some of that legal advice related to knowing your rights in the workplace and fighting that ageism?
1: And New York State actually has some really great uh, discrimination, age discrimination laws on the books. So that would be the first step if you're considering that, you know, see if you can get some legal advice. On the other hand, uh, in New York City, we're very excited because five bills were just passed by the New York City Council on age discrimination. So New York City's going to get even better uh, for that. They haven't, uh, they haven't actually, I don't think, been, been signed by the mayor, but uh, I'd be surprised if he doesn't. Uh, they were uh, presented by um, the city speaker and also by Margaret Chen, who's the uh, councilwoman who heads up the aging committee. So there's great stuff there. But you know, that's not the only kind of discrimination that's out there. We're, we're all living in an era where I think that finally, finally there's heightened awareness about uh, disparities. And AARP has been working on what we call disrupting disparities, actually since 2017, we've been highlighting areas that we see where people who are fifty plus and their families are really you know up against it. The inequities are just you know so blatant, and so we did a report in 2018 that highlighted some of these disparities in livable communities, which is around housing and transportation, around economic security, uh, around income. Um, and and jobs, and so much more, and access to credit, uh, and also in health, because we know that health services are not an even playing field, uh, and then we did another report at the beginning of 2020 in January, oh my goodness, and then the world turned upside down, and now here we are in the pandemic, and so we put out a third report that we're calling Disrupt Disparities 3.0, And we're doing that with the Asian American Federation, the Hispanic Federation, the NAACP and the Urban League.
0: And what were among your key findings?
1: Well, uh, let's see. Um, There are now more adults 65 and older in New York State than there are children under the age of 13. I'm not really happy to brag about that um, because we need younger people. (laughs) We want younger people. However, those are the demographic realities. And so when we look at where the New York state budget goes and we look where the services are going, we have to be aware of these rising numbers. 85 plus is the fastest rising demographic. And of course, being 85 and older, you have a much greater chance of facing fragility uh, and isolation uh, as you age. New York is growing much more diverse. The number of older immigrants statewide grew twice as fast as the number of U.S.-born older adults, according to the Center for an Urban Future. And so that's why we have launched this, because you've got this dichotomy. Also, New York State has the distinction. We love to be number one, but I don't think we want to be number one here. We are number one in the greatest Earnings disparity in the country, the number one. So the top 1% in New York State earns 45 times more than the next 99% put together. I I always feel like I have to repeat that because it's so astounding. So the top 1% earns 45 times what the next 99 earn altogether. If you're a person of color... On average, your income will be less because you probably had less education and you probably have less had less access to credit and to money. So when you put all of that together, there is opportunity and I see it as opportunity to address these ills and figure out how we can change some policies in New York state. And we have the first two reports, we got some great policy changes in place. And now we've got a new set that we really need to do. And we've highlighted these in three areas in health, in housing, and in uh, food insecurity.
0: Let's start with health. Where are you looking to make change there?
1: Okay, so in health, we're all hearing about nursing homes. We know that the, the high mortality rate in nursing homes. However, if you're a nursing home with at least a quarter of your residents that are Black and or Latino, you have, they are twice as likely to be hit by COVID-19. Twice as likely. And then those that have less than 5% Black and Latino residents. So we got to do something there. Not to mention that the essential workers that are in nursing homes are much more likely to be from communities of color. And so they are more vulnerable because they have to go to work every day. And do we know if they're getting the proper PPE? Do we know if they're getting the, the proper testing on a regular basis? So that's part of our recommendations right there. Uh, we want to make sure um, that we are looking at the long-term care system in New York. So we really want uh, New York State to adopt. There's a bill that uh, Senator May and Congress and, and Assemblywoman Cruz both have to create a long-term care task force to establish this, to look at both the institutional care, but also home-based care. How many people are sitting in their apartments? we getting some services or maybe having care workers in the house. Do those care workers get tested? Do they have PPE? I don't know. If if I'm living in California and mom, my mom is in Bedford-Stuyvesant, do I know if she's getting that care? And who's doing the oversight of that we also would love to have an independent panel to review the state's handling of long-term care facilities since the beginning of the pandemic and we know that we need to train and hire more professional staff for long-term care ombudsmen who actually go into long-term care settings and ensure that there's safety measures there, and that if people have complaints, that they're being addressed appropriately.
0: How confident are you that those issues will be addressed considering COVID and the spotlight that's been placed on nursing facilities?
1: Well, I certainly know that the administration has their eye on it. I, I know that they are focused on it and that they are making changes, and I think we're seeing that. Um, I think just in that We're seeing the plan for the, um, when the vaccine is ready. In the first tier are people in long-term care facilities. That was a surprising change that we hadn't seen before. However, what about that next tier of people who are vulnerable, right, but they're still in their home? And where are they going to fit into getting those inoculations it, it, early on? So those are things that we all have to advocate for.
0: What about housing? You mentioned housing.
1: So uh, housing, we know that about 25% of Black and Latino families reported not being able to pay their rent um, versus 14% of white families. And that was back in May. Also, we found out that 50% of Black tenant households in New York State fell behind in their rent as of late May, early June of 2020. So we know we have a moratorium on rent right now. Uh, How long is that going to be extended for? Does it stop at the end of the pandemic? Because if it stops at the end of the pandemic, do you think that the next day people's lives turn on a dime and they go to work the next day and they can pay their rent? There's going to have to be some grace period Uh, after that to help people ride through and the other thing in housing which would be amazing in New York City we have something um, called a right to counsel law where people are guaranteed a lawyer in housing court if you have um, a lower income and not necessarily a low low income but just a lower income Uh, you know landlords come in and they've got lawyers up the kazoo Uh, but the everyday Joe who has to go into housing court, if you don't come into housing court with a lawyer and you're up against those lawyers, forget about it. (laughs) So we would love to see a statewide right to counsel law to guarantee a housing court lawyer for renters with income of up to 400% of federal poverty level. That would be great. We'd also like to see, um, an establishment of a housing access voucher program for eligible New Yorkers who are homeless or face an imminent loss of housing. And again, I've got another 20 recommendations there, but those are the high points of of the housing piece.
0: And Beth, food insecurity, we're seeing the long lines. We're seeing the long lines at food banks and soup kitchens right now. It is incredible, the demand.
1: But it's not surprising. (laughs) It's not surprising at all. Uh, You can't put food on your table. I mean, people are going to get desperate. So we really, as a society, we have to address this. So right now, 39% of Black families and 37% of Hispanic families are struggling with food insecurity versus 25% of New York's population at large. So a quarter of New Yorkers are struggling, but if you're Black or Hispanic, well over a third uh, are struggling. And we need to figure out what to do about that. And, and having long food lines and soup kitchens, uh, you know, <laughs> that's not gonna do it. So um, what we would like to see is uh, that we'd like to be able to see that SNAP beneficiaries, which food stamps are now called SNAP, people might not know that, uh, that they would be able to buy their groceries online. And wouldn't that help a lot in this pandemic? The rest of us can do that. They, they should be able to do that too. We'd also like to see a more, robust outreach and educational program for SNAP campaign and more in-language uh, for that. Um, you know, you probably know this, but but the food stamp money comes from the federal government. Not a dollar of that money comes out of our state budget. Not a dollar of that money comes out of our city budget. And every dollar that comes in is an economic stimulus to the local neighborhood. So people get those food stamps or SNAP benefits, and they go to the local grocery, the bodega, the dry cleaner, the pharmacy, you name it. And so why would we not take the free economic stimulus from the federal government? Over 300,000 New Yorkers who are over the age of 65 are eligible for food stamps and they haven't gotten them or SNAP. The reason a good number of them haven't is because the benefit was so low. Actually, it was only $16 a month. But because of the pandemic, the um uh, they changed the rules just during the pandemic and if you are eligible for snap you will get the maximum benefit per month right now which is two hundred dollars can you imagine so why everybody is not out there trying to get who is eligible for a snap benefit is not applying for it two hundred dollars to your household budget i mean that's just amazing and again Call 311. If you're in New York City, they will hook you up with people who can help you online or on the phone determine if you are eligible for food stamps. Don't leave that money lying there. Grab it because you can help your family.
0: Beth, is there a statistic that you uncovered in your reporting that surprised you most? Wow, had no idea.
1: I think that income one that I mentioned earlier probably was the one because, you know, I've been working in aging services for over 25 years and I've been working in all of these areas, um, you know, advocating for housing and hunger and health, and et cetera, for such a long time. So I have been aware of it. The good news, bad news is now everybody else is aware. (laughs) You know, it's kind of sad truth to say, um, but you know, as somebody who's a community organizer, these are great times for the <laughs> de- organizing. People are passionate, you know, they're seeing the injustices and they want to rectify them. And so that's a good thing, you know, and the the bad thing is things are really bad. Things are people are desperate. It shouldn't be this way. We gotta do something about it. What
0: would you say are the biggest misconceptions that you find yourself continuously fighting when it comes to older New is just being an older person?
1: Oh, gosh. Well, first, you know, if you want to get a chuckle, AARP nationally, my RCE, wrote a book called Disrupt Aging. And if you go on the AARP website, ARP.org, you can find all the stuff about Disrupt Aging, or you can probably just Google Disrupt Aging, and she will come up, Joanne Jenkins. And in that, they did some fabulous little short videos uh, of... Younger people being asked questions about older people and preconceived notions. I don't want to ruin these videos for you, but they are just fabulous. And, you know, they really just highlight, uh, you know, unexpectedly, well, who do you think is old? I mean, just that thing that I was saying to you older about people that are 35 and 40 already observing age discrimination in the workplace, either for themselves or their colleagues. You know, there's always going to be a younger generation coming along nipping at your heels, as there should be, as we want there to be. Uh, But we just want fairness in the workplace
0: for everyone. Of course, not any given generation is the same. How has AARP evolved to meet the needs of today's older individual?
1: You know, I'm really glad you asked that question, Church, because never before in ARP's history, nor in the history of our society, have we had more than five, actually, one could argue six generations of older people. And someone who's 50 is not like someone who is 90. No matter, you know, uh, how active, uh, you know, someone is, um, there are different needs. Uh, there are different wants. There's different desires when you're in different life stages, and and some and and for the most part, you really can't paint it by a number. Um, it's really a personal choice. There are people in their 70s and 80s who are working very hard every day, just as hard as they work when they're in their 20s and 30s, and they relish it and they enjoy it. And there are other people who hit the age of 62, maybe have a very physical job, and say. I can't do this anymore, and so it's it's a very, it's a different mindset for for every for every decade, but it's a different mindset for every individual and I think that's the conundrum of how do we as a free and open and honest society allow everyone to live to their greatest level that they want to live to, and that might be uh, you know I, I want to go back to college, I want to audit classes or I want to get a degree. Or you know what, I love old movies. I just want to sit at home and watch old movies. And that's okay too, because I like them also, actually. So, um, you know, never before have we been confronted with the huge numbers of people spanning so many generations. And it's not just one group of older people anymore. And I think that's the biggest change that we all have to get adjusted to and respect individual needs and wants.
0: All right, Beth, anything that we didn't talk about that you'd want to add?
1: Oh, just I hope everybody stays safe. Uh, Keep an eye out for when the vaccine's coming because it's coming. Hope is around the corner. It really is around the corner. And um, I thank you so much for having me on the show today.
0: Beth, thank you for leaving us on that positive note. Thank you so much. Beth Finkel is the director of the New York State Office of AARP. For more information, head on over to states.aarp.org new-york. And that's it for this week's Cityscape. I'm George Polarki. Our producer is Maddie Bristow. Our music is courtesy of bensound.com. Thank you so much for listening.